The following is a presentation of the Speed Sport Podcast Network. This is the premier podcast for late model dirt track racing. This is Forward Bike. From the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass, here's your host, Kyle Armstrong. Welcome back to another edition of the Forward Bike Podcast right here on the Speed Sport Podcast Network in the Speed Sport Podcast Studios, powered by My Race Pass. I'm here today with uh, Adam Logan in the studio. I'm Kyle Armstrong, by the way. I thought you guys knew that, but I forgot to tell him my name right then. We're uh, we're happy to have a very special guest here coming up here in a, just a, just shortly, uh, Cameron Goldsworthy. He may not be a household name to uh, to a lot of people, but man, he's got an amazing story to tell for sure. And uh, and we're excited to have him on. So stay tuned for that. Uh, first, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the weekend. Uh, I know we both, me and you, Adam, were both up at Florence this weekend for the North South One Hundred and North South One Hundred. A little bit of a snooze fest here lately in these hundred lap crown jewel races not a lot of lead changes i know i i really didn't even notice that till a lot know, of good racing back through the field though i might yeah. add but yeah I, I, like they they kind of brought up i was listening to the interviews and they, you know they said last few crown jewels has been like one one pass and i was i, I never really noticed it but you know now that you look back it's like wow I mean, but the way the cars are these days the way the competition is you can't – it's hard to get behind early, like a lot of these guys and qualifying, hot laps and stuff like that. It's hard to overcome being behind people. These cars are so aero-sensitive nowadays that, I mean, it It takes – I mean, even Saturday night, I mean, some of those guys were faster than, you know, in the back of the pack and, and you know, towards the top ten. Once you get behind somebody, it's hard to pass. I mean, it's hard to make that pass. Um, and, you know – Saturday was not the typical Florence we've seen here in the last, you know, couple of years, having a big cushion up there, people riding the wall, people down low, throwing sliders and stuff like that. It was a it was a different track, so I kind of understand it last night, but, you know, you, you take a look at Fairbury. Fairbury shouldn't have been a track that... I know. That, that there should be no lead, you know, lead change. Those are the last two major races I attended, and I have, I've seen more lead changes than the Blue-Gray 100. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the Cedar Lake, Cedar Lake's the same way. I mean, it was, you know, J.D. led, yeah. you know, he led that whole deal, and it's like, usually that's a track that they cut it up so much that it transitions, you know, from lap one to 100, you know, goes from hammer down to slick and Usually, you know, people, you know, go hard early, get the lead, and then they'll fade, and, you know, the guys kind of conserve their stuff, you know, rise to the top. But that, that was an interesting fact. You know, you just don't – you don't think about it when you're you're watching these races and you're attending them that, oh, there, there wasn't a lead change. You're just kind of in the moment, and then you kind of sit back and look at it. It's like, wow, that's kind of a weird statistic. It sort of makes you think, and I don't mean to talk down on it, but Batesville's next week. You usually don't see a lot of lead changes at that track no. any, either. So kind of makes you think that might be what you see there again. Yeah, I mean, it goes back. I mean, all these guys, they, they, these these cars have changed so much. Um, they're kind of, you know, with all these droop rules and, you know, all the rules they're coming out with, you know, it's kind of got them in a box. You know, it's not, it's not like an IROC where, you know, every car is the same, but their options to kind of – do stuff is kind of limited so they're almost the same and then 
like I said, you get behind early, you it's it's hard to make it up. I mean, even a few years ago, it's still you know hard if you you know didn't time in the top top ten and either you know win a heat race or top two in a heat race. It, it was difficult back then, but um, I think more these days, it's like I said, you got to be on got to be on top of your game from from hot laps on to the to the feature. All right, lap one there. I'm going to ask you a technical kind of a question here. Lap one, Chris Madden and Jonathan Davenport race side by side down the back stretch. Madden tries to go in there as hard as he can go, trying to run with Davenport. Well, what broke on that car? I think really, I, I kind of looked. I didn't, I didn't see it. Um, I mean, I was in the infield and I was kind of you know, it's lap one, so you kind of watch everybody go through turn one. Everybody's you know in a pack, you know side by side. And so when I looked to turn three and four there, I saw him bouncing, and I was like, "What the hell?" So I look back at the video, and it really, I think there was kind of a little bit of a, little bit of a hole. I, I wouldn't say a hole, but it was just a little character there getting into turn three. And I just think he just, I think he just hit it wrong, and he got, you know, when he hit it, got sideways, and he just, when he landed, I think it just might have, you know, broke the J bar, or it broke something under there. And yeah, you could kind of see the rear end kind of shift to the left on it, and then once he started bouncing, it was, you know. <laughs> He just kept on bouncing and just broke the car. So, I don't – it. J.D. didn't get into him. You know, he didn't – it wasn't nothing J.D. did. It wasn't really nothing Chris did except, I mean, he just hit hit the track, hit turn three wrong. There's a little bit of – like I said, a little bit of a hump in there. And like I said, when he landed, he was not in the right position. And he just started – it broke and it started bouncing after that. So, it was, it was kind of a, a bad deal. It looked like he drove it drove it in there as hard as it would go, trying to just to keep up with uh, Davenport, and yep. maybe that bit him a little bit, maybe. But I, do you do you think though, if uh, if Madden wasn't a broke right there, he could have given Jonathan a run for his money? If anybody there, um, it would have been him. I mean, he was he was good all weekend, and and that's I mean those those two have been going at it all year, and and that type of condition you know slick around the bottom you ain't got you know there was no cushion this weekend and that like i said it's you know florence the last couple of years they've had that big lip up there you know you know josh rice has won a couple of races up there lucas races you know banging that banging that um cushion up there and it for for whatever reason i don't know if they prepped it different or or what they did it just wasn't up there um the night before friday night it was up on the wall in uh, qualifying, and it normally doesn't do that. Normally, it's kind of around the middle of the track, and it works its way up. And then by feature time, it's up there where people can race. But it was already, it was already up there in qualifying, and it just wore the track out. So, like I said, I don't know what they did different this week on on the track prep, but it was a definitely a different track. You know, bottom to kind of middle um, through that race. So, um, and. I think if he did not break that type of track, it you know him and Davenport have been really good in that condition. So it might have been a little better race. Um, you know, Brandon Overton. I mean, he started running him down there the last last ten laps. He started you know get he moved up a little bit and kept his momentum and and caught back up to JD. But you know, people signals and everything else, and you know JD decided you know got to lap cars and he had to get up in the middle and get around them lap cars. I think he just kind of felt, oh, my car feels a little bit better here. And then he just kind of maintained that distance and went on to cash in another $75,000. $75,000 is uh, 
added to what already has been an incredible year of, of winnings. They said he's already at a... I think it's like 1.6. 1, yeah, that's something. a lot of money. <laughs> that's that's now, unbelievable. Last year, all year, they were talking about, well, can Brandon Overton uh, reach a million dollars in purse winnings this year? Well, now, this year, they're talking about, well, can Jonathan Davenport win $2 million? And uh, I don't see no reason why he couldn't because they're just now getting started. Yeah, I mean, you got... And they're well, not gonna, they're really, go, but just like the big big the race big, yeah. season is right now. Yeah, I mean, you got... Um, Historically, yeah, you got Batesville this weekend. Were they paying 50? Are they 40 or 50? I want to say it's 50, 40 or 50. It's 40 or 50 this week, and then next week, um, they've got Port Royals 50. Then the week after that's the Hillbilly 100, and then the week after that, still pending, is the is the dream. So the dream on the Wednesday night. So he's, he's, I mean, I don't know where, where's he running in that race toward the back. I'm not sure what position he's in, but Madden's currently leading that. Yeah, so 14 laps in potential another what 128 or something there. Then the world pays 55. Then you got what I mean, I'm sure there's some XR races out there that paying some decent money. You got uh, Las Vegas. Knoxville's the week after. Knoxville. And then they're going to Fairbury on the way to Knoxville. These guys just race all the time, man. I, Living out of a suitcase and a laundromat is yeah, just not the life for me. I wow. know. You, you look at these guys, and they, they, some of these guys have been gone for two months. I saw where Vinny Giuliani put it on Twitter. He's been away from home 38 days. 38 days yes. away from home. Yeah. His, uh, grass, his grass is probably tall enough to bail hay by now. Yeah, my, t- talking to to the marler. Mike Marler this weekend, he's like, we, you know, they've been gone for five weeks racing. You know, we we used to do that. Luckily enough, me working with with Lanikin, we were we were located, you know, right there in Union, Florence, Kentucky. We were kind of centrally located, so most of the time, you know, and our schedule was different than it is now. You know, there weren't a lot of midweek races back then, but like we'd go race Friday, Saturday, we'd come home. You know, it wasn't far for us to come home and work on our stuff. Man, this year, these, every single night these guys week, this year. I mean, like. it's like, I mean, it'll just take the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, they had a race at Davenport before Fairbury, and then Fairbury. I think I don't know if there was anything between Fairbury and Cedar Lake. I don't think. I don't think there was a race. I can't even remember. But they raced. And they were like gone Dick Law or something. Yeah, they go, this past they go to Cedar Lake. Wisconsin. Yeah, you race, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday up at Cedar Lake. And then you go up Monday, Tuesday up at gone Dick Law. Superior. So up in Superior. And then you run all the way down to Florence, race for three days. And then next week, the race for three days. Port Royal race for three. Like it's, it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's different. It's, yeah, a, it's, it's a different schedule these days. It's more. You're out of the racetrack sometimes longer than you were when we raced. A lot of ours were, you know, race somewhere Friday, go somewhere Saturday, you know. Yeah, it's going to split the fields up again this weekend. Mm-hmm. Sharon has got the World of Outlaws. Also, Williams Grove, I believe, on Friday, Sharon on Saturday. So those, uh, a lot of those cars will be up that way. Mm-hmm. Have the And then uh, your Lucas Oil guys and your big money chasers, I guess you could say, will be down at Batesville, Arkansas. At Batesville for topless, so... It's uh, interesting times in the sport for sure. Yeah, it's um. And they call it, and they're call, talking about a tire shortage. They're racing yeah. all the time, but somehow there's tires. The the you know they've survived on the dirt side, and it's, we're just talking about the big big races. I mean, there's I can turn on like the speed sport TV mm-hmm. that we have, and there's literally 
regional races all the time with soda and IMCA and all this other stuff all across the country that you may not may not be as mainstream or you think about. But I go in there and I can watch. Like last night, there was like eight races to watch all over the country with full fields of cars in. Oh yeah, and uh, I think maybe that's why there's a tire shortage because <laughs> there's so much racing. I think uh, I mean, like I said, they've they've managed it on the dirt side. You know, it's it's not like it's not what it needs to be. Like it, you know, there's there is shortages because there's people canceling races all the time. But I think more it's it's starting to hit the the asphalt side. It's it's real bad. I think they had to cancel a race up at the the Wilkesboro deal uh, yeah. for for next weekend because because of it, or I think this weekend they had to cancel it because of a tire shortage deal. So, and like, like I said, I, I think the dirts they they're managing it. It's not. It's not an ideal situation, but they've managed it. But I think the asphalt side, it's hitting them. I think it's probably hitting them harder on that side of it. But hopefully, um, hopefully we get to the end of the year and there's a there's rumors, you know, on the dirt side, it's going to a uniform tire roll. There's rumors, yeah, They're floating around. So they keep saying that. And speaking of tires, man, hard way to lose twenty thousand dollars two weeks ago. Now I know. We'd already recorded this podcast, and I congratulated Chris Ferguson on oh, winning that yeah. race at Virginia. Uh, by the time this thing came out, that news had came out that they got their wind stripped away for using the uh, D. I believe it was a. I don't want to get all my letters wrong, but it was a seventy, and it wasn't stamped HPS or something. It was uh, didn't have dirt with, tire, with, yeah, late with, model or something stamped. Yeah, on it. it didn't. It was supposedly you couldn't run the LS. B seventy. That's what it was. Um, you had to run. They call. We've always called it when we raced the the. It was a, it was a spec seventy. It was like an extra rubber. As hard as this table, right? Yeah, now. it's like super hard, and it's more like a UMP style block tire. But like, that's the weird thing about you know right now with the tires situation. You know they. They're trying to combat it the best way they can. You know, not everybody can get tires, so they end up saying, "Hey, you can't run this tire. We're going to supply you. You know, we've got so many of this certain tire." So they're trying to, you know, instead of just saying, "Hey, run a seventy like it used to be," and you know that was okay. They're trying the best way they can out there to say, "Hey, listen, we get it. Maybe not everybody, it, it, you know, can get the tires. Can have, you know." extra sets or extra tires out there so like hey can't run those we're gonna bring or you you can go buy this tire we know we're gonna have you know if there's 30 cars there i know i've got 30 of these tires so everybody can have one and somewhat be on an equal playing field as far as tire wise so i i wasn't there i went on the phone call the quote-unquote phone call that was made i you know we're just, you know, casual race fans and working in the industry, but it's it's one of those deals, you know, it was it's kind of a he said she said deal. Um, but you know, I you know, I heard heard through the pits this weekend, you know, they said in the drivers meeting, This is the tire you have to run. If you ain't got it, that trailer over there's got one, go buy it. Yeah. So, you know, you hear that. Like I said, I wasn't at well, the racetrack and so I try not to be. Uh, I try to stay pretty neutral on this show, but I I kind of feel I kind of want to side with Ferguson and their team on this because man, that's a that's a lot of money to 
to have ripped out of your fingertips whenever it, it is it it's, sounds like they've called and made the phone calls and asked two or three times and like you said i wasn't there uh, you wasn't there i mean we we don't really i don't, we don't really, really know, know the you know no uh, one's they're no. supposed to get together and have some kind of a meeting about it this week and uh i'd be in there i'd love to be a fly on the wall on that deal yeah it's see what's it's all like i said it's a it's a bad deal you hate to see anybody you know I, and I don't think it's one of those deals where it was an, an advantage or disadvantage per se. But, you know, there again, they say you can't, this is the tire you have to run, you know, and they gate, like I said, I heard from guys that said they were in the driver's beat and they said, this is what you got to run. If you ain't got it, go get it. Yeah. You know, so you almost have to say, well, who's at, at that point whose fault is it makes it? you wonder in a way too if they were questioning it and asking about it asking the questions if they if they wouldn't have been asking if they there's a and there's a lot of deals you know i go back if, to like if they were confident about it they probably wouldn't have been asking so yeah, it makes like, you wonder it's one of those deals too like i remember it was a race it was been years ago um driver pulled up I think I'm gonna say it was Mike Marler. He was up at what uh, I seventy seven, I think it was Lucas Show, and the tire rule was like thirteen hundred or fourteen and a quarters, and he can run a sixteen hundred on the on the right rear for whatever reason. Whether you know his tire guy wasn't paying attention, but they put the wrong tire on the left front in the in the lineup shoot, and one of the officials called it and said, "Hey, you can't run that," and they changed it. He went on to win the race type deal. I think I think he might have had to start in the tail in the hundred lap race. He raced up through there and won. So, on that example, you know, an official went up to him and said, "Hey, you can't run that. That's not, you can't do that." So they had to, you know, hey, got to take a penalty. You got to go to the tail. It's like having a flat or anything else. Go to the tail, and you come up through there. In this situation up there, like, where was uh? Where's the tech guy? Yeah, where was the guy that told him not to? You know, right now with with the tire deal, they're trying to make sure we everybody's on. You know, like I said, if we got twenty four or thirty of these tires, that gives everybody the same tire. You know what I mean? And we're not. You're not going to get. You know, we're only going to allow you to change one. So you you know, everybody's on the same level playing field for the most part. You know, and why wasn't the official when they roll out there? Like right now, all these officials go around to the cars and check the tires like check hey okay you got 1350 1350 1350 1600 or 70 or or 40 or whatever you have to run in that situation where is the official saying oh whoa, 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 you can't you can't run that tire like at least give them a chance to say oh my bad messed up let me go put the right tire on if it was a, an oversight but you know we're playing Monday morning quarterback here or <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. So like I said, we weren't there and it's, it's just uh, it's it's a bad deal. Like I said, I don't think I don't think that's what won him the race. And I don't think that's what caused the guys to lose the race. But it is, you know, they said you couldn't run it, they ran it, so here we are. It is what it is. We got no say in the matter. We nope. just closed the book on that chapter and yeah. uh Wish everybody the best to get back to zero on that yep, deal because just, he sort of went in the red there. Yeah, it's kind of one of those deals in sport. Like, if something like that happens, it's almost like people have a quick memory. 
it's over. You know, it's over with. Like, not, I can tell you this in the pits this weekend. No, people were talking about it, but they were talking more of the situation. They weren't sitting there saying, you know, hey, those guys, you know, they're cheaters or this or that. It's, it's more or less. I think everybody feels bad. They, I mean, they kind of feel. But you know, you got you got both people. You know, you're gonna have fans. You're gonna have haters. Some guys, are gonna, the haters, are gonna say, ha ha, you know, caught up to them. Or the fans are gonna say, oh, he got screwed. But you know. It, to me, it's over with. You know, we show he went and raced this weekend. You know, it is what it is. From what I understand, the uh, consensus in the in the uh, compound of the Ultimate Super Late Model Series, all the drivers that run that were sort of applauding it and uh, happy that they penalized him the way they did and all I'm, that. It's. I think. Uh, I think nowadays more than anything, I think the drivers are more on the side of we've got rules. Let's enforce them. Whether they, I mean, and it's one of the, maybe they say that we, we've got too many rules. And the, the same drivers who applaud that are saying, okay, we got all these rules. I hate them. But if we're going to have them, let's enforce them. Let's, yeah. let's not just say, oh, we're going to have these rules. And then, okay, if that was a rule, we're going to say that. You know, we're just going to, we're just going to play this. A rule can't run that tire. You put it on. He got what happened. You know, he got his punishment. You, you're de- disqualified. So I think it had been the drivers, while they're applauding it, is, hey, this is a rule. They stuck by it. He got his punishment. I think they would be a little bit more, they'd be upset if they say, hey, wrong tire, but hey, you get you, you keep the win. We're not going to disqualify you. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. Then you get you we, get twenty three people pissed off at you, and yeah. one's happy. You know, and I'm not saying hey, keep twenty three people happy and just piss off one, but you know these rules they have to be the same for everybody. You know, uh, I noticed I know some people were, and I kind of saw it this weekend at Florence. Some people got their decks checked, some people didn't. Why? Why is that? You know. I noticed during qualifying, you know, they were checking deck heights going across the scales. And then all of a sudden I see about 10 of them backed up, and then next two that go across, they just scale them and go. Well, why were you checking deck heights on these guys and you let certain people go? You know, that looks bad. You know what I mean? If you're going to check mine, you better check yours. You know, so it's, like I said, I think drivers, why they're applauding it is, hey, stick by the stick by the rule book. Yeah. Love it or hate it, you know. They say you got to run a black car and you show up with a white car, you're disqualified. Sucks for you with a white car, but you know that's the rule, black car. And so, <laughs> I don't. It's it's one of those deals. I think, like I said, I think there's too many rules, but if you're gonna have them, let's enforce them. Well, let's digress here. Let's, uh, man. I know we could talk. We could go on oh, and yeah, on yeah, about yeah. all that for oh, sure. Yeah, but we, yeah. Uh, sure. well, well, uh. Coming up after the break, we're going to talk to Cameron Goldsworthy. Like I said, if you're if you're never heard of him, uh, uh, he's he's got a pretty incredible story to tell, and it'll be really something you want to hear. So stay tuned for that. But first, I want to thank Andy's Towing, Tour V, and Superior Pools of South Carolina for all their help and sponsorship. We still got a few of those hats and t-shirts left. If anybody wants any any more of those, uh, let me know. I'm getting some new ones made right now that I should have available at the World 100 that are pretty sharp. So. Uh, Stay tuned to that, and we'll uh, we'll hook you up with one. Uh, stay tuned after the break. Cameron Goldsworthy on the other side. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. 
And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. All right, we're back here on the Forward Bike Podcast. I'm Kyle Armstrong here in studio with Adam Logan, Logo. And uh, we're happy to be joined by our guest here today on the phone, Cameron Goldsworthy. And we were talking a lot about tires right there. And uh, this guy here is one that uh, knows a thing or two about tires, probably more than any of us uh, care to know about them for sure. So uh, what's going on today, Cameron? You doing all right? Oh, not too bad down here in Florida, enjoying this uh, decent hot weather that we have down here. Yeah. Uh, the temperatures are high, so your tire temperatures are definitely going to be warm on the road, so make sure you've got nitrogen in them. There we go. But uh, my name is, uh, obviously you guys have introduced me, I'm Cameron Goldsworthy, and uh, it's uh, I live down here in a little town called Crestview, Florida, which is just a minute north of Destin, Florida. And uh, I've been following you guys for a long time, man. And it's uh, for what you guys get started, it is definitely impressive. I mean, I'll sit out here in the garage and just listen to your podcast. People ask me, what radio station is that? And I was like, <laughs> well, forward by podcast. You just look it up and you'll be able to entertain yourself because it's good. We, we appreciate it. We definitely so. appreciate the compliment. And uh, I, I want to kind of tell the listeners here, kind of bring them up to speed on, on, on you, if I can, here just a minute. So we had we had Randall Chupp on here about five or six weeks ago, and uh, and Randall was an awesome interview, I thought, and a lot of people reached out to me and said they enjoyed listening to it, and you were one of them. And uh, you called me one day, and we talked for uh, probably thirty minutes, forty five minutes Maybe or so, really, and uh, and you told me your story, and I was just blown away by it. I mean, I'm surprised Oprah Winfrey or somebody hasn't called you to have you on her show because uh, what you told me was just was just mind blowing, uh, what happened to you and what you, uh, what you lived through. And, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but, uh, uh before we, uh, before we get too far into that, I kind of want to know how you got your start in racing and, uh, and we'll start from there and, uh, we'll, we'll build up to this, uh, this amazing story. Well, my family, uh, obviously I was born in Rochester Hills, Michigan. My dad was a part of a business called Buyer's Record Service and was three doors down from Brett Keselowski's dad's truck team. And I used to go there when I was a kid. And um, my uncles were, one was a promoter and the announcer at the Pontiac Silverdome and the other one was the, kind of like the money organizer. He was the one that took care of the briefcase in the state. And um, the, it basically is the one, they are the ones that got pretty much monster trucks going with Bob Chandler being connected with the Pontiac Silverdome. And also, they were a part of the 1981 indoor dirt late model race there, the very first one ever documented in the books. I think Jack Boggs wound up winning that race. Well, um, I've been around a lot of hot rods. My dad had flat bottom drag boats. Um, he also used to go and pit for Della Woods in 1987, Indianapolis. So I got to pull my very first piston out of a motor in 1987, it came out of Delaware Woods, and as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm looking at this piston right now, and I'm looking at it saying, man, this thing is heavy, you know, um, and they come out of a drag car. But I've been around racing my whole life. But I lived in Michigan for a little bit. Uh, my, my parents and stuff, they separated, so we moved south. 
and I uh, wound up going to a town called Niceville, Florida, which is not too far from where I live now. And that's where I went to high school, elementary, middle. Um, but during that time, I, obviously, we traveled. Um, and we'll get to that here in just a minute. But I had a guy named Tom Garrett. He was kind of my babysitter. And um, he obviously, his, he was a huge fan of Alan Kowicki, you know, Davey Allison. That was their drivers. And he was building a car. And we decided to... You know, he'd take me over there to babysit. So teachers would wonder why my homework wasn't done. Well, I didn't tell him I had homework because I wanted to work on a race car. That was my fault. It is what it is, <laughs> but the homework got done later on with a little bit of a penalty. But I've been around racing pretty much, I guess you could document that at the end of my whole life because 1990, uh, well, 1983 is the very first time I ever went to the Pontiac Silverdome, and that's when the Pontiac Silverdome put on the very first monster truck car question expedition with Bob Chandler, and that's when everybody swarmed the floor with Bob sitting on top of the cars. And then, obviously, 87, 85, I was up in the box. I just, I've been around racing my whole life. But one of the biggest things is, you know, my mental thing is now safety. And I love safety. So I drove quite a bit. I drove the year I got hurt. Matter of fact, the very first car that I drove was a car that me and Tom Garrett and his dad built. And we uh, finished second three years in a row on winning a championship because we couldn't get thrown out for little small things like a carburetor being a little bit too big. That happens. Yeah. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's something I've always dreamed about being around. I always like speed, you know. And, um, you know, I've pretty much been around it my whole life. And now it's took a lot different turn since my accident. But uh, go ahead. Yeah, man. So you uh, you worked on, I guess, uh, that's pretty cool to hear that you did the monster truck or you were kind of there on the, literally on the ground floor for, yep. for the monster truck deal. And, uh, man, we watch them now and they don't just pull up there and crush cars. They're doing backflips and all kind of crazy stuff. And it's yeah, pretty Bob incredible Taylor's what it's out of that freestyle stuff. You know, it's taking the monster truck life out of it. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's how I got my, you know, when I was a little kid, that was the first thing I ever, that it brought me into like motorsports and was like, something like that was sitting in the, Yep. Sitting in the living room watching Bigfoot crush cars and, and all them documentaries they did of every kind of truck, where they got their start. So that's pretty cool. That that's that's what brought you into into racing also. Well, a lot of it, you know, it tied into all that. You know, we're right there. The Motor Rochester Hills is the basically one of the top five money industry or cities in the world or in the United States due to the fact that it's so close to the um, – the, the industry of automobiles, you know, Chrysler, Ford, Chevrolet, all of them. It's right there. All your engineers live in that little town. Well, Pontiac's a hop, skip, and a jump. It's in between Rochester and Detroit. So, you know, Bob Chandler doesn't like this big freestyle and stuff. That's why he's pulled out of it. But to go back to a small story real quick, that back in those days, me being a part of that, on my Facebook page last year, I introduced... There was a guy named Eddie Smith. He's, he lives down here in Pace, Florida. I think he's from up around St. Louis area. I don't really know exactly where he's from. I apologize. But he actually used to drive Bigfoot. I think he drove Bigfoot 7 and 8. 
And uh, last year, he introduced me and gave me a Bigfoot worn crew shirt when he was with Bigfoot, worked for Bob Chandler last year at Why Not at the, uh, the Street Stock Championship. So that was at Why Not Motor Speedway, you know, and Why Not Mississippi or whatever, Meridian, however you want to call it. Why not race it? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, uh, you know, that was a pretty cool deal on how I was connected. And then he and I kind of like grasped, like, holy cow, where you been my whole life, you know? And if I wouldn't have survived my accident, I wouldn't have been able to get all these special things, you know? And we're going, this year makes 20 years. As we're talking right now, I just came out of a coma a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago. 20 years ago, I'm still like in La La Land. I have no clue who I am. They don't know if I'm going to work and all that stuff. But <laughs> it's uh, it's really wild, you know. Well, tell but, us tell us about how you kind of uh, like got into the late model dirt, late model racing, and uh, and maybe who, some of who the guys you were helping and everything. And then we'll talk about the oh, wow. uh, your accident you had there 20 years ago. Well, my late model racing stuff, you know. There was a guy named Wally Howard back at the house, you know, his working nice little painting body had that business. And, you know, he had a late model. We used to do some stuff with that. Um, and then I had my accident, but my late model stuff didn't really take off until after my accident. I guess uh, people thought I was more of a good luck charm than anything else. But <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, um, I worked with Randall Chup. I did some stuff with him when uh, Randall drove for Kevin Rumley. Uh, it was mostly at the state race in the National 100 in Phoenix City, Alabama. Um, and Randall has been a big, huge part of my life on getting my memory back and stuff like that and helping me relearn racing again. Um, Frank Wilson. Now, we uh, have won a lot of championships. I think in 07, I think we wound up winning three championships. The Crate Racing USA, which is now Crate Racing USA, but it was Storm Pay back then. And we won the uh, Southeast Region Storm Pay Championship, uh, Southern Raceway Championship, and Platinum Motor Speedway Championship that year, all three in one. So that was pretty cool. Um, and I'm just, I have a late model with Chris O'Connor. And he and I, you know, which is Chris, has been kind of like my, my basically, he's like a brother from another mother. He and I have bonded. And we raced against each other with my other crew, with the other driver that I had, Tom Garrett. And we were enemies back in 94 or 95. Now we're the best friend. He's on my family tree now. So, uh, you know, my late model racing stuff, I've been, I've worked with, uh, like, Trent Thomas. He was a young man that was out of Bessemer, Alabama. Uh, Wade Wetmore, he lives out of uh, North Carolina, or uh, Tennessee, excuse me. That's outside of Knoxville. Um... Uh, also have uh, Galen Robinson. He's out of North Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. He has that Red Clay Oval uh, YouTube channel, which is really, really good. Now his, young, his son's getting into works on that. His son's really starting to prime as a driver. But um, as far as starting in late model racing, I mean, it just all of a sudden, you know how racing goes, it all flows together. And I always, I never missed a Saturday or Friday at the racetrack working on a car. And that was helping me rebuild my memory and stuff back. And that's what the doctors told me. They told my wife, they said, for him to get his memory back, he's just going to have to keep on working at what he was doing before. If you want him to do that. Well, well she didn't really want to do that. But. 
Well, Cameron, let's but, uh, you keep you keep. Well, go ahead there. All right. Uh, I'll talk, talk to him. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say you keep referring to uh, to your accident there, which happened August third yeah. of two thousand two, and it's sort of like everything kind of keeps circling around and revolving back to that. So I guess uh, we can go ahead and uh, talk about that. Uh, it, it was a it changed your life forever, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing, and uh, it's probably well, pretty emotional for you to still talk about the day so if you'll uh, kind of tell us about that day that saturday there at the racetrack and at seller uh, Raceway. well i'll, I'll have to go back a couple days before that okay you know, sure because, uh it actually is going to start to where racing almost took my wife away from me because i almost i told her i was going to choose racing over her and i had divorce papers on the front seat of my truck and don't ever take those to the racetrack it's a bad situation but I worked on all weekend on trying to get this motor together, and we went to the racetrack, so on and so on. But August 3rd, 2002, I was supposed to be at a racetrack in Flemington, Alabama, but I was running behind. And on top of that, I had two sponsors, Mr. DJ Henley and Dan Allen, that actually sponsored me that night to go to the racetrack. And they were going to be at Southern because it was closer to them. So I wound up going to Southern Raceway, which is right out of Milton, Florida, right there off Interstate 10. And um, lo and behold, I went out and I did hot laps. Excuse me. Um, I went and did hot laps. Car was on top of the speed charts, you know, by, I don't know, two tenths. It was pretty awesome. Well, I get out of my car and I make my rounds and talk to my friends and, you know, do all my little things. And I'm walking back to my truck and I grab my fuel jug and a uh, tire flies over the fence that was on a vintage car. It was a Pal City retread. This is how heavy this thing was. It was a Tile City retread recap tire with an asphalt sidewall, and it was a beadlock steel wheel. It was an eight inch wide wheel. Um, and it flew over the fence doing about 100 miles an hour and hit me in the head. You know, of course, it went about 100 feet in the air. And uh, as the car comes out of turn two, the tire came off going down the backstretch and just carried on and went up over the fence and hit me in the head. Um, they basically honestly thought I was dead right then. There was a kid named, a guy at that time named Jeff Smith. He and I and his dad were building a car back in the 90s, and he was an EMT paramedic at Choctaw Beach Fire Department at that time. If it wasn't for him, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. The tire hit me, and then it hit a water line. And then the water line, of course, put me submerged under the trailer in mud. And my body starts curling up as you make a fist in your hand. Usually that's what they say when your body starts breaking down and losing all communication. And uh, so he got me ready for life flight. And at that time, I have no problem with the EMTs. I love them to death. But that time, that night, at that racetrack, EMTs were not doing their job. And uh, they are no longer working there, I don't believe. I think I pretty much got them fired because they didn't need to do that. They, needed, they were worried about getting their shoes dirty. But anyways, with all that being said, we'll put that behind us. But um, Jeff Smith got me ready for life flight. And then life flight, or they got ready for the ambulance. The ambulance parked on a racetrack and waited for life flight to show up. And then they put me in the life flight helicopter. It's really wild about this, and I'm going to make a joke out of this in a little bit, and how you got tires get traction. I'm really glad I lost a bet three weeks before. Um, buddy of mine decided to come up to me and says, if I win tonight, you shave your head. Well, that's when I did not have a receding hairline. And, uh, I said, no problem. Cause every time I got in the lead, he'd spin out. Well, 
he won the heat race in the feature that night. And I told him, I said, I guess I'll be at the shop. Nope. Three weeks before that accident happened, I lost a bet to him, and he shaved my head down to the skin. I'm sure glad it didn't have any hair, because it probably would have caught traction, and that would have been a different story. But um, it just, they lifelighted me from the racetrack to the hospital. Going over the Escan River Bridge, I stopped breathing, and my heart stopped beating. Um, and it did that for four and a half minutes until arrival at the hospital, and as your foot touches the ground, and the helicopter touched the pads when my heart started beating again. And they wheeled me into the hospital, and they stuck me instantly in a drug-induced coma. At that time, I had a lawn maintenance irrigation landscaping business out of uh, Niceville in Blue Water Bay, Florida. One of the doctors that was in there, Dr. Raisler, was uh, one of my customers. It was really wild because I had just went to his property on that Tuesday. And then here it is. He's uh, looking, looking at me on his table. And he pretty much had, I had 13 doctors that all saved, helped save my life. Our God, Lord, and Savior is the number one reason why I'm still here. And, uh, you know, I went through in a coma for eight days. I was in the hospital over a month. I lost my memory, wiped completely out for five years. I uh, had headaches for 16. And as we're talking right now, 20 years to go, I've only been out of a coma for two days. Uh, my memories or my math's right, either two or three days. And I still... I don't know anything about life yet, you know, and that's kind of a, a heartbreak. You know, it's kind of a, it makes you wonder every time you take a step how fortunate you are to take it. Now, let me know everybody understand something that I'm not trying to say my accident is any better or any different than anybody else's. I'm not trying to make myself sound like I'm any better than anybody. And that's one of the main reasons why it took me so long to really talk about this because I did not want to put myself on a platform that made me sound like I'm better than anybody because my name's Cameron Goldsworthy I'm from Rochester Hills and everybody you know I treat everybody as an equal I don't treat anybody different you know um, and I just want people to understand that so because I, I know how people kind of think about he thinks your accident's worse than his or whatever I'm not trying to think that at all there is one day I'd like for something to come up to where I could write a story about this and the proceeds and profits go to brain injury research for younger kids um, or people that don't have insurance. Not the ones that are doing it drunk driving, not the ones that are doing it being stupid, but just the ones that are just in the wrong place at the wrong time like I was. But at that next morning after my accident, my wife says she counted over 80 to 100 people in that waiting room. And I had no clue I knew that many people. Wow. Um, the, when the tire flew over the fence and everybody was working on me, Dan Allen, one of my uh, sponsors, were walking in as they were working on me. Mr. B.J. Henley, which was there as sponsor me that weekend, was just sitting down. His life light was taken off. Had no clue. And then they released it. And then, of course, Mr. Henley and Dan were the first ones over at the hospital. Wright Wilson, um, he, he's seen everything happen. Sean Pierce, he's out of Pensacola or out of uh, Pace, Florida. He's seen everything happen. And I've been trying to put everything together of a map of where I was actually sitting and standing and all that kind of stuff. And I'm getting close. And I just want to know that so I can put that to rest, you know, so I know not to stand there again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, life is precious. And the main reason why this happened was the guy had stock lug nuts on a racing wheel. You could take a 23-ounce hammer and you can knock this thing off 
with just a, you know an impact of 100 pounds at the rubber or whatever, or 50 pounds, you can knock it off over the studs. So do the math on that. You know, if you got a 5 8 hole, and this is all metric rear end stuff, you know, you got a really big gap. You got a huge one inch lug nut with a metric stud. There's a big gap there, but he had not one inch lug nuts on. He had stock lug nuts on. So make sure your safety's up to par. When a tire flies off, you never know where it's going to go, and you never know what life's going to change. You know, and some people just get so in a hurry for that adrenaline in a car instead of thinking about that safety and coming out of the car. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. We had a so it's yeah, we had a look. I, I, you bringing that up about safety deal? It, it, it hit me pretty good this weekend up at up at Florence on Friday night. They had a had a modified wreck and. Mm-hmm. They had to get the jaws of life to get the guy out. Um, is, is that the one that the car hit the top of the car? He, hit the roof? Yeah, he he yeah. he T-boned somebody, and yep. they, the, I think the seat was not in there properly, and the, mm. the whole seat shoved forward, and the guy they they thought he was dead. He couldn't he couldn't feel from the neck down. They had to wow. you know jaws of life the top of the race car to pull him out. You know, get him on a stretcher, and you know, had to you know rush him to the hospital and everything. And luckily, you know, I say luckily, he, they, like I said, they didn't think he was ever going to walk again. And the next day, he's uh, right. he was actually walking to the pit. So you know, he, man, he, wow, he, he dodged a bullet there. But like you said, the the every, everything like them lug nuts. You know, look look where we're at because uh you know someone not using the the proper the Correct. tools. This guy not you know maybe. Real quick to hey, let's put the seat in, let's go race, and you know it could have ended his life. Um, Absolutely. And he wasn't, you know, he didn't even flip. He just t-boned somebody, and it, you know, just stopped instantly, and wow. he's in that position. So, totally. The I'm, biggest damage that's done in the brain is actually inside the skull, in between where it bounces off your skull. Exactly. That's what the concussion is. You know that little fluid deal. You mm-hmm. know. So and, yeah, I, mean, I did all kinds big. of research and stuff on that. I, they didn't think I was ever going to walk out of the hospital. I just, you know, I didn't walk out of the hospital. I did, but I didn't. I did, but they said I was never going to. That's kind of wild. Yeah. I just, uh, so, speaking of concussions and stuff, I just actually, uh, just last week finished, finally finished up with Dale Jr.'s book that he put out a couple of years ago, Racing to the Finish. Oh, wow. And that's a fantastic book if you've never, if you've never read it, anybody that's ever had a concussion or anything. And, and I never have, but, uh, but listening to that, it's it's pretty incredible what he went through, and everything. You know, nobody. Well, speaking about concussions too. Excuse me. The, yeah. You know, talking to Ryan Newman this past last week at North Wilkesboro because I was up there working with Joey Coulter. I was yeah. doing tires for him. And matter of fact, you were in the stands. Yep, I sure and, was. Uh, we both were. All of were. a sudden, I'm over there talking to Ryan. You know, and Ryan, when it was at the snow, when he was down here at Pensacola, and he won, he he finished third in that XR race or whatever they call it, SXR or whatever XRS. Mm-hmm. He finished second or third, and I got a picture with his daughter. And uh, me and him had communicated from distance, way distance. You know, he didn't know each other. Then all of a sudden, he knew about my accident. So all of a sudden, the same things he was able to walk out the door with his daughters. You know, that violent wreck that he had at Daytona, I slow-moed that thing down before he ever got out of the car numerous times to make sure exactly is he all right. The driver, it never landed on driver's side, which helped me out a lot. But still, the concussion of your head bouncing around inside the cockpit, you know, is so dramatic. 
you know, it's your, 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 your brain is floating in this puddle pretty much around the brain. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And in between in the skull. And that's what bounces around so much and gives you these concussions and equilibriums are all messed up. But Junior, especially Junior, I was really surprised to see him get out of NASCAR, but I was so happy to see him get out of NASCAR. Because he learned so much from his dad's accident. Especially after reading his book and stuff. And I understand yeah. it a lot more now. I mean, he, he made a good call, uh, good decision there. To I mean, I, we're not really like a NASCAR show here, but it's still relevant right. to what we're talking about. Injuries are injuries. Injuries are injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, that, that thing, there's people that's, you know, fell off a bike and had the same injury that I had. You know, it, there's just, it's, there's no, we don't, we're not prejudiced against any injury. It doesn't matter. We need to try to fix them, you know, help people. Correct. So Cameron, I, I remember you telling me when we talked maybe a month ago that uh, Randall Chupp was one of the people that helped you out a lot to get a lot of yep. your memory. And you've done touched on it a lot, but what were some of the things that he kind of uh, uh, maybe talked to you about or whatever and brought you back up to speed? <laughs> one of the biggest things is he always told me to kind of write stuff down, which is great. But if you have a memory problem and you write stuff down, you got to remember where you put the stuff you wrote down. <laughs> and I had that problem all the time. So I'd call him like, he was working with Frank Wilson, Larry Boutwell, and a couple guys down here um, in racing, in their late model racing, when Wolfpack Racing originally started off in his garage. Yeah. He, I brought a, some of his first customers from down here into his possession. And, uh, you know, I'm over with Frank Wilson. You know, I talked to Randall all the time and then i go work on frank's car all day because that was kind of like my rehabilitation deal let's get you smart again it's kind of what randall would call it which is so cool how, but, so, uh, how soon like, would you say that you were back on your feet like working like oh that? Geez. Uh, there's i i can't as far as full force i'm still like i'm still busy busy i never was like oh, i probably won't be where i was other than i just have more friends to help me Okay. Yeah. <laughs> or I can call somebody, but uh, the biggest thing is, uh, it took a long time for me to be able to drive again. Um, it took a long time for me to comprehend stuff, and I still obviously have trouble doing that now. But it's it's not so noticeable. I can hide it because my speech has gotten a lot better. Um, but it, it took a long time. Uh, everybody's injury is completely different. I was so amazed with Ryan coming back with his deal and then Junior, too, with all the concussions he had, and they were still able to race. Well, they had contracts and stuff they had to load. I didn't have contracts, you know. So I, I, I really I, I could play my role a little bit safer in a way. To, I say that in, a, in a, a not a disputing matter, but I say that to where, you know, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have 50 brain injuries. All 50 of them is going to be completely different because it's all completely different people. There's no such thing as a twin, I feel, ever. Right. You know, they're born at this different times. They have different hair count. One of them may have an eye that goes up, and the other one may have an eye that goes down. You know, it's just all kinds of stuff, you know. But um, it, it just but being out, being able to be around people that help me work on stuff. You know, I was working on Frank, James Gilmore. I'll tell you a small story about him. He used to come to my house after my accident. It was been probably about a year, maybe six months after I was out of the hospital. I couldn't drive in here yet, but he used to come to the house and pick me up and take me to the shop and teach me stuff. Well, 
then it got to a point to where I could drive and I was doing a little bit more different things with different drivers. And then Frank Wilson was a customer of Randall's and, uh, I'd call Randall on the phone say, Randall. Yeah. I need a list. I'm going away to the shop. Okay, great. So I'd write it down. I'd stop, you know, I'd pull over on the side of the road and I'd stop and I'd write it down and then I'd be like, great. And I'd stick it over wherever it would land. And then I'd drive down the road a little bit further and I'd get down a couple exits and I'd pull over again. Hey, Randall. I need to get that, that, uh, that, I need to get a list from you. Cameron, you just got off the phone with me. I, I don't believe you. Yes, you just got off the phone with me. I told you what to do. Okay, well, tell me again. I want to make sure I got it right. So then I play that off. Then I'd call him again three more times. He says, Cameron, wow, we need to record this. I says, yeah, but I got, I found all these pages like 10 years later that I wrote down. And every single, the first three pages and four pages were identical. And you could tell they were wrote at the different times, but they were identical. The way, and that this went on for months. And uh, Randall, every time I had a question, he never pushed me away. You know, the first time I, I met him at Phoenix City, it was on a National 100. I and, you know, most people, when they walk up to you, they want to they wanna know everything you got under your car. I just wanted to build a relationship with Randall Chuck. You know, Randall, I looked up to because I knew what he went through with his dad and how far he grew through the business. I just wanted to be a friend. And then we built that. And then he was always there to help me if I had a question that I knew for a fact. He knew I knew the answer. He just, he, he would start testing me, start being my teacher, you know, or I'd say racer's counselor. But overall, a best friend. And that was, that's really big with Randall. Randall, um, you know, he, uh, he doesn't, he's almost like Ronnie Crooks. He doesn't give you an answer. He'll give you a question for you to answer it yourself. <laughs> yes, I know exactly like, what you're talking about. Holy cow. And I'm like, how do you want me to answer that? He said, figure it out. So I'd call him back and he'd give me the same question. So then all the answers started turning into questions and the questions started turning into answers. And then I was completely confused. So, but Randall, he just was somebody that I admired so much. It just, it really, and he helped me out, man. I mean, just the drivers that he brought down here and, you know, did a lot of really good things with, um, heck he worked with Jock Boggs. He worked with Ronnie Johnson. I mean, he drove for him. He drove himself. You know, I mean, and he was the only one I think that I've ever seen advance a position and three quarters of the right rear tire be off the racetrack at Phoenix City in the National 100. And I think the year he almost, he lapped everybody. He was getting ready to put Bloomquist a lap down. I think between Bloomer taking a car out and Danny Myers throwing something on the racetrack, I think that's the reason why the caution came out. So that was, uh, it was really wild. So, but he just, he's been a really massive part of my life and getting me to where I am in racing now. Well, Cameron, we don't have a whole lot more time left, but I do want to ask you, I mean, over the last 20 years, yes. you've, uh, you've been, you've still been involved with the sport and a, and a big part of, uh, helping a lot of different drivers prepared. You, oh, you got hit in the head with a tire and what makes you want to come back and, you know, work on these <laughs> racers tires. Like that's, Yes, uh... The nickname they give you is Mr. Hoosier. When I came back to racing, I actually went back to racing, uh, I think it was March, 
2005, just to let people know I was still alive. Hey, well, I'll tell you, speaking of nicknames, I don't, you can finish that thought in a second. Ozzy Altman told me to tell you that he calls you Lazarus. Lazarus. <laughs> <laughs> so we, Ozzy Altman was on here a couple of weeks ago, and that was his nickname for you, Lazarus. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of Frank Wilson, we, he's leading a race up there at Deep South Speedway. And, and Frank's got this thing. I mean, he's got it kicked about three quarters of a lap. That's right after we got the car back from Randall and them. And next thing you know, Ozzy's walking down. I can see him out of my peripheral vision. He's walking down the stairs, coming down there with the microphone. And here goes Frank Wilson. He just about lapped that, looped that thing down there in turn uh, one because of a lap car. And I almost dropped the bad words on the microphone. And I said, I first of all want to say thank you, Wilson Lumber Company, for being the best lumber company in the South, and so on and so on and so on. And I said, Ozzy, don't do that again. Left. <laughs> yeah. Ozzy is a, he's a very special guy, but March 23rd, 2005, I came back to racing to let people know I was still around. And then if you go to the Milton Gazette newspaper, um, well, it was released on the 23rd, 2005. It's called A Southern Miracle Returns to Dirt. And uh, Bill Gamble is the one that actually did that article. Awesome. He's, a, he's an announcer down at Southern Raceway, but he was an article. He, was a, he wrote that article, and it was pretty cool. And then my last time racing was uh, May 10th, 2008. I was driving for Shannon Steele. And that would have never happened if it wasn't for one of my good friends, Kevin Wooten. And uh, I guess that was the only two races I ran that year in 08. But... I wound up winning the race, and I called my wife on the front stretch. She goes, what's all that noise? You better not be at the hospital. No, I'm not at the hospital, which I'm still married to my wife. Um, I'm not at the hospital. She goes, well, whoa, 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 where are you at? I said, I'm, I'm, I'm on the front stretch. Are you in Victor Lane? Yes. She goes, good, you're running the race. You're done driving. And I hung up on her. I couldn't believe it. So I called five people before I got off the racetrack, and all five of them told me, yeah, you told me if you ever wanted a racetrack and almost took your life, you'd stop driving. And sure enough, I did. I haven't drove since. So a couple weeks later, we got a late model showed up to the house. And Chris O'Connor is my race car driver. <laughs> Which is like a brother from another mother. But uh, it's just the people that step in when you have a problem and they hurt. You know, you have the fans, the racers, the family is indescribable of how big it is. You know, it's uh, racing is huge. It really. And Shane Clanton. I could get on a story with him. We actually lived three streets down from each other in the 90s in Riverdale, Georgia. And I worked at the go-kart track that he got kicked out of because he jumped the fence with a go-kart. And it was really funny. So, I mean, and then all of a sudden we go back to Sonoya and I'm doing his tires and he winds up winning. And his mom looks at me and she says, I really don't know who you are, but I like you already. But if you win these other two races, we're going to build you a house over on the property next to the shop. <laughs> I said, okay. <laughs> so, but I mean, it's, uh, man, it's, I really appreciate you guys allowing me to do this. And, you know, I really, I would love to be a part of it again. Cause I mean, I don't, I don't think we only scratched the surface. I only got through half the first thing. About everybody that we ever have on here. We barely scratched the surface. <laughs> everybody's yeah, got, too, everybody's got too many stories. <laughs> well, but, uh, it's, this is kind of one of those, uh, I like, uh, I just, man, uh, this racing stuff's addicting. You know what I mean? Yes, it and, is. And it's, it doesn't matter the things you go through. And I, I really feel bad for the people that have had accidents and they're in wheelchairs and stuff, but they're still around the sport. I love that. 
you know, there's um, there's a guy out of Tennessee. He can't walk anymore because of an accident. He won his first race, or he won another race. He's almost second in points or leading in points up there at uh, Thunder Hill. What's his name? He drives a CBR car. Uh, it's going to, golly, it's going to be upsetting. But yeah, you know who I'm talking about. I know. About. I can't uh, think I've, of him either. I know exactly who Charles. you're talking about. Is it Charles? I don't I, 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 I'm sorry about that. I didn't write that down. But number one person I want to thank, obviously, is God, Lord, and Savior, and Jeff Smith. You know, and Charles Graves, he was a member of the Charles the Sprint Car Association, Cajun Sprint Car Series, and they brought a lot of money that they donated to uh, the hospital and gave my wife. Because being at a hospital an hour away from the house, it's a pretty big expense. And I definitely am very thankful that they were able to help take care of some of that stuff. But, I mean, it's just, uh, man, I, I don't know. I just, I've got, like I said, I have so much to say. And it's like here you got to try to shove it all into one, and I'm like, ooh, this is gonna be tough. I may have a whoa, whoa. I'm like, we're sitting here lines pretty bad right now, but I think it's about to get worse. We'll have to, yeah, we'll have to have you on again sometime. It's uh, man, there's a big rainstorm coming in here, and uh, our producer Rich is giving us the cut it off. He's got a, he's riding his motorcycle. He's got to get home. He's riding his motorcycle today. He's got to get on home. So, uh, oh wow, so we'll, so you guys, make, do you guys have a truck in the trailer? Y'all put the motorcycle in the trailer. Y'all drive them though. That's right. Well, we should. That, that, <laughs> we I mean, that's what to. good friends would do. Or maybe you have to go rent a U-Haul real quick. Just help him out a little bit. We might have to do <laughs> that before it starts him. raining. Right. But Rich does well, us a good uh, job here. Uh, producing this thing shout out to him i don't think i've ever actually done that so they do a good job what's his name rich colbreth he's a long time rich colbreth well, i really do definitely appreciate it long I mean, time i can't wait to hear the, the live feed on this long this time career awesome. producer of uh he's worked with mrn and some of the best of the best and he's yep. here doing our show now here at speed sport so we can't thank him enough for doing what he does cameron I, i'll uh you got any uh, other sponsors or anything you want to thank we, yes, we got to wrap I got it up if you'll give me about probably five minutes, I'll try to get through this the best I can. Um, the, the biggest person I'd like to thank, obviously, is our God, Lord, and Savior, number one. I'd like to give a big shout-out to my little 12-year-old driver, uh, Austin Morris. He's out of uh, right there in the southern part of Alabama, deep south speedways where he races. Um, 2004-2005, I had Friday and Saturday night track championships with Jan, Dan Allen, um, Daniel Higdon in 2005, Frank Wilson 2007. Uh, Dylan Hamilton, Flomington, 2018. National 100 winner, Joseph Joyner. I bought the tire for Willie Polston for him to be able to win that race. And that was in uh, 2020. And uh, Bo Slay, 2021, Deep South and Southern, both racetracks. And then Kyle Hawkins out of Iowa. He won three championships and all most popular driver in Iowa. Uh, now, here we go. Now, obviously, I have a driver named Chris O'Connor. He and I have been putting a car together for quite some time, but obviously with my schedule and his schedule, we haven't had a chance to really work on it that much, but I do have a lot of people that still help us out. O'Reilly Auto Parts out of Fort Walton Beach. It's uh, Peter and the crew over there. Uh, Earnhardt Technologies Group, Steve Menard, uh, Dean's Kitchen and Bath. That's Chris O'Connor's business. Maria at FK Rod in. She's like family to me. Uh, Renegade Race Fields. That's Frank Wilson out of Harold, Florida, and also Toby over there in... Uh, Texas hooker harness. Obviously, that's safety, and I'm big on that. ISP seats, I'm big on safety deal. Race fan, uh, dynamic drive line. Obviously, uh, driver refined by Joey Coulter. He's a really good friend of mine, and he's been a big part of my stuff. 
uh, Knowles Race Products, RPI Race Products, Davis Smith Carburetors, uh, Boone's Kitchen and Bath out of Pace, Florida, uh, Home Pros Paint out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, Stop Tech, Gorchick's Brakes, um, Daytona One Buck Denner in South Florida, Gulf Coast Gas Repair, which is Justin Hamilton right here locally, Penske Race Shocks, Nick Stein and the guys over there, and Doug Quinn, Air Shocks, Ken Anderson. He's a big deal. And obviously, Randall Chuff, he's my heart and soul, man. He's uh, he's helped me out a ton. Harold Holly also. Five-point fabricating. They also they build the easy wheel. And obviously, I'm a big tire guru, so they helped me out on that. Uh, race logics. Sometimes I'm a chassis uh, director or a tire consultor and stuff on their race logic program. I'm a little bit on that. During, I was a guest of theirs at all three of their programs last year. Uh, Dirt car lift. Dynamic Driveline, Jones Race Products, Freestyle Graphics, uh, Manson Machine Corporation, I'm just outside Tuscaloosa, PPM, Abrasive Belt Services, Who's Retired South, Brian and them over there. Uh, Ryan Crane over there, Panama City Cycles. You need some motorcycles, ATVs, jet skis, boats, whatever, go talk to him. Uh, ben Baker and uh, Long Anchor, Dave Hammond. And then uh, Kate over at crate insider uh i just i know i've got a lot more but uh man this is a this is a very big prayer for me answered 20 years from my accident you guys allow me to be a part of the just and i would really like to try to figure out and if i know you were part of uh writing a book after we may have to build one <laughs> i'm game Cameron, right I, I can't thank you enough for being on here man we're gonna have to uh have to let you go tonight and uh, we'll do this again some other time i promise you so, absolutely uh, i ever have a, appreciate it if we ever have some kind of a tech question or anything like that we'll uh we'll lean on you hey i like it man Cameron? Well, i appreciate you guys a lot and i'm gonna mail y'all some umbrellas <laughs> thank you <laughs> we're gonna need them it looks like here real quick all right yeah. uh before we go here i want to uh, give a shout out yeah. i forgot to do this in the open to uh Ben Watkins on picking up the 50th annual Shrine 100 win at yes, Gaston County, uh, Gastonia, North Carolina, Carolina Speedway. There, I would, uh, I'd be, it'd be a bad deal if I forgot to mention that. So, congratulations to Rock Hill Bad Boy, Ben Watkins on picking up the 50th. That's a big deal for the Shriners, and uh, that's a long-standing race, and it was, a, it was a good deal there Friday night at Carolina Speedway. So, shout out to them. This has been another episode of the Forward Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Armstrong. For Adam Logan and Cameron Goldsworthy, we'll talk to you next time.